Today is Sunday, May 19th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and we got a long one. Episode 315, featuring Boston Globe NBA writer Gary Washburn, is brought to you by Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics and get your first refill pack for free when you buy your first electric toothbrush. Well, Red Sox won the World Series, Patriots won the Super Bowl, the Bruins are getting ready to play in the Stanley Cup Final, and the Celtics can't have nice things. C's are done. Still a little tough to stomach as the Bucks and Raptors play on in the Conference Finals, so let's continue to digest it all. Lots of great conversations, strong takes as well from former Celtic fan favorite Kendrick Perkins on last week's show. I encourage you, listen to it if you haven't. Go back. It was it was really just a, a great pleasure having him on. And there's going to be much more of all that today with the Boston Globe's Gary Washburn, especially after fans got mad at Kyrie Irving's second-round performance and post-series podium displays, demeanor, all of it, the things that he has said or not said. And then Terry Rozier effectively has his hold-my-beer moment when he goes on ESPN with a blowtorch last week. Gary, let's start there. What was Terry thinking? Uh, I tend to think that Terry has probably got a couple of methods that he wants to try to accomplish this summer. I think one is that he wants to change teams. He wants out of Boston. And two, he knows that being a restricted free agent, the Celtics still have control of his future in the sense that they can match any offer to him. Um, they can, he can accept the qualifying offer. Um, you know, so, the only way, means he has to get out of Boston is a if a team you know makes him an offer that the Celtics don't match, which I don't know will happen. Restricted free agency is very tricky. Not a lot of guys change teams because of restricted free agency. Not a lot of guys get those offers that they think they're going to get during the season. Mm-hmm. Or the Celtics could rescind the qualifying offer, just cut. Terry loose and make it an unrestricted free agent this summer. And I think that's probably what Terry is going after. Um, he's trying to talk his way out of Boston. Uh, there's no, you know, there's a, there's a full reason why you do the ESPN tour. That's to get a message across, whether it's to plug your book or plug a TV show you're going to be on or let the world know that you no longer want to be in Boston and that it's time to move on. And I don't know how the Celtics will react to this. But um, I think the goal is to have uh, the Celtics to rescind the offer and for him to be set free. How likely is that, though? I mean, it all depends on whether they really think he's a cancer, whether they really want to, if they just want to change. Who knows what Kyrie's going to do? But even if Kyrie leaves, do you want to hand the keys to Terry and go, okay, you're our starter, Um, everything's okay now, right? You're the guy. Uh, is that what you do? You want to give Terry what he wants? Do you think he's capable of being the starting point guard for an elite team? If not, I think it, it is possible that it could happen. And it, you know, as we know, a few years ago, Jared, the Celtics did that with Jared Sullinger. You know, when they were going after Hayward, they just they, they cut him loose. Or and the Celtics did that with with uh, Kelly Olynyk. Mm. You know, that guys who you know. It, Hey, it's just this doesn't work here. Let's move on. And I think that um, it can happen. I don't think Celtics management is seething at this point and and furious. But 
I think they do realize that it's, this probably isn't a good marriage. Terry is, you know, Terry's head was not completely in his role this year. I think he's letting people know that, that I wasn't into this backup thing. I wasn't into this, you know, 18-minute-a-game thing. <laughs> and I'm just letting everybody know that so it doesn't happen again. Well, and to your point, for anyone that missed it, and we'll play some of the sound, some of what Terry had to say, but – you know, he said or inferred at the very least a variety of things, mostly true, I, I guess, to his credit. Not that it was a good idea, I don't think, to go out there and say it. But, you know, it let us behind the curtain a little bit. It wasn't a good look. I mean, he said that Brad Stevens mucked up the game planning between practices and game strategies because those didn't mesh. He didn't appreciate the team's preferential treatment of Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. It was difficult to adjust to playing with both those guys because he couldn't be himself, even though his usage and touches really were not nearly as bad as he seems to believe they were. He didn't, as you said, like coming off the bench after starting the year before with Kyrie out a lot of the time. He sacrificed more than anyone, which continues to just ring in my head as as something that I don't believe is as totally true. And, and he even threw in, albeit when asked, that he'd be interested in playing for the Knicks. And we know that they're going to be chasing after Kyrie, and we'll get into more of that later. And of course, Stephen A. Smith asked Rozier if he'd be interested in returning to Boston if Danny Ainge decided to run it back with the same roster. Not that there's ever any chance of that happening. This is what he said. I might have to go. I might have to go. I put up with, uh, with a lot this year, so, I, I, you know, I, I said what I said after the season. I think we all know that. I won't, I'm, I'm not trying to step in, into that again. So, Gary, Terry also said he's a team-first guy and that, uh, you know, he's, he's not hard to be around to work with. I get that he wants to play. I get that he wants his money, all of that stuff. He is not coming off as a team-first guy, and I do have to wonder at least a little bit. You talked about the agenda he's trying to serve with the Celtics and getting out of Boston, but that can't set him up well with other teams that are watching this stuff and saying, is this who we want leading us? Yeah, it isn't a good look, I don't think. I'm not sure the, of the guidance he's getting, whether it be his, himself or from his agent or a family member or whoever, someone's telling him what they think he should do. Yeah, it's, it's not coming across well um, unless he thinks and he's convinced that there is a team that really likes him, that he wants to play for, that has said, that has said like, hey, if you're a free agent, we'll bring you in. or we'll, like Unless he knows that there's a target team, you know, like – like Adam, like how some of these guys, you know, drop out of the draft combine or whatever because they have a promise. Maybe he has a promise from somebody uh, that we don't know about. Sure. Um, I don't think it's a good look, but Terry seems to be very set in knowing what he's doing and very open to give his opinions. And I think he's slowly been waiting to unleash his thoughts as the season has progressed. I don't think he's been pleased at all with how things are going. I don't think he's a malcontent, uh, but I just think he felt like he deserved more of a share of the pie after coming off the playoff run. You know, maybe the best thing and the worst thing to happen to this team was that playoff run because obviously it did not end up well. It did not age well, as people say, um, in terms of how it affected the long the health of this team. So I think Terry... At this point, just he's about Terry, and the season's over, and now I can tell you what was going on. You know, I just think there was a lot of resentment toward the way Hayward was treated, and I don't think it was Hayward himself. Like, I just think they felt like he's not there. Why, why is he playing so much? I mean, it's a tough situation. You bring a guy back who's on a max deal from a season-long injury, 
and you've got to integrate them somehow. You can't, you know, I guess you could have tried to do it slower and maybe 10, 15 minutes per game and then increase as the season goes on. But would that have translated better with Jalen and Jason and Terry? Would that have worked better if Gordon went from 15 minutes to 32 minutes uh, as a season and those guys got their minutes cut? Who knows? Who knows if this would have worked out in the best conditions? I mean, right. That's the thing. It just was so difficult. You put a lot of talent on one team um, and guys with personal agendas, and they should have personal agendas. And we all we all have personal agendas professionally. We all are working hard for our companies but want to get promoted or want to do something more different. So I don't think it's, that's a bad thing, but you had too many going on. I mean, you just – you didn't have true bench players. That was my – when I watched the Bucks, you didn't have, you know, you got, you watched Connaughton or George Hill or Ilya Solomon. Those guys know what they're supposed to do, know when they're going in the game, know when they're coming out, know, when they have, know what they have to do. And with the Celtics, you didn't have any of those guys. Like you had Morris, who wants to be a starter, wants to get a contract. Rozier wants to be a starter, wants to get a contract. And those are your two main bench guys. You know, you had, you had guys like Tice and – you know, Wanamaker, but they weren't as much of a factor. So when you got main guys who literally want to start and are biding their time, it's a real hard mix uh, when it's not going to happen. Well, I think what you're saying is right. I mean, I had, case in point, I had somebody say to me uh, just the other day, and, and I hadn't really thought about it this way, but it's it's just so basic and makes perfect sense, and I know you'd agree with it based on everything you just said. He said, you know what the difference is between the Celtics and the Bruins outside of performance obviously and and even likability it's that the Bruins have those guys that you know everybody on that team first line fourth line anywhere in between defense to to who's the starting goalie and and who's the backup everything everybody knows their role everybody knows their role they buy into it they accept it and they flourish within it and the Celtics just had a total lack of acceptance and and willingness to do that right from the very beginning that's yeah. That's the problem. That bench players are, you know, guys who I mean, you, you just see it in other teams. Guys who the, the, the Sean Livingstons, the um, Iguodala's, the guys who know I'm here for a specific purpose. It's because I can shoot. It's because I can rebound. It's because I can play defense. And for the 18 minutes a game that I get, I'm a play like hell to do that. I'm going to do everything I can. And because that's the team concept. And I talked to a former Celtic yesterday who told me that what they did on the 08 team was, you know, everyone knew it wasn't always going to be their night, but the key and the bottom line was getting a victory. And, you know, you had to share the wealth and there had to be a collective effort, a collective kind of being to where it's like we're all we're all in this together and that sounds like you know a sports cliche but the Celtics were never in this together they were never like listen I only had eight points in seven you know ten minutes or whatever I didn't I didn't get a chance to play as much as I did but damn it we won and I did a little bit of part of that I had, I had a, a little part in it maybe next time I'll play more but we got the W. 
and it just was never on that page. And I don't think that this was a locker room where guys hated each other. They just didn't fit together. It's just like you throw, you know, sometimes you, you know, buy furniture for your house and you, mm. it, it, in your head it looks great and then you put it all together in the living room and you're like, this looks, this doesn't look right or this doesn't look, the colors don't match or it doesn't, it just didn't fit. It wasn't. I can't point to people who ask me, oh, the Kyrie's fault. It was Kyrie being selfish. Like, no, not necessarily. I don't think so. I mean, Kyrie's not a guy who wants to play 43 minutes a game in 80 games. Kyrie wants to take his games off. Kyrie doesn't want to be overworked. So there's minutes available. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, you know, he played, he did play many times in the same, at the same time with Rozier, you know, and Rozier was able to handle the ball in that situation and move to the point guard. So it, it, it's hard to it's hard to understand what guys really want, you know. Uh, the usage rate thing was a big yeah yeah you're right like you know Terry's usage rate wasn't that different from last year, but somehow he viewed it as I'm not getting my touches I'm sitting in the corner. I didn't really see that much, but if you're sitting in the corner, you got to be able to stretch the floor, impact the game, right? Get a steal, get a rebound, you know. If it's not necessarily getting your shots up, and I don't think this team ever got through, got that message. Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think a good way to put it is that it's it's not as you said. It's it's not that they hated each other. I think they just didn't like playing together. You know, there's and, and there is a difference. You know, teams like the 08 team, the group that just enjoyed being with one another on the floor, not just away from it and in Rome and on road trips and everything like that. It's it's the unification on the floor that obviously this team didn't have. But going back to Terry, I thought that Stephen A. asked a really good question because it's something I had been thinking about. Terry keeps talking about his sacrifice right from the elimination post game to in this interview and so Stephen A just said what exactly did you sacrifice this year what made you the one that sacrificed more than anybody else and this is what Terry said I sacrificed you know obviously my talent I think the most you know me me being out there and and giving my full style of play how I play how Terry Rozier play I feel like I I couldn't be that person you know, just obviously in the shadow of of some guys, uh, I feel like the ball was in either got Kyrie got or, or Gordon or Gordon Hayward's hand most of the time. So I feel like, you know, either Terry Rozier was just in the corner or you know just on the bench. So he reiterated some of the stuff, obviously, that you just said. And to me, Gary, it's just Terry's delusional about his talent level and his abilities compared to Kyrie, his role on that team, his place in this league right now and what it should be. And I appreciate his confidence. We all need to have some of that no matter what we do, as as you noted before. And and it's, you know, some of that ego that drives success. So I, I respect that. But it can also be destructible to the greater goal. And he also seems to not recognize the fact that even in the opportunity that he had, which again was greater than he seems to realize, he was terrible. He had a terrible season. He had a bad postseason. He had a particularly bad regular season. I, I just feel like he's he's a little too inside his head in that way. Yeah, I think that he's blaming it all on the circumstances. Right. As opposed to some of the decisions that he made, such as, you know, his propensity for the early shot clock three pointers or the the hero ball. The, like, I'm going to come down and hit this big three to get this, you know, get this going. I'm going to, you know, it's time. I'm open. I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to, you know, rock and fire and let this loose. And I'm going to, I'm going to be the guy that, that gets this started. I mean, um, you know, point guard's an unselfish position. 
And Terry is not Kyrie. He's not a point guard who is an efficient shooter who's going to hit the mid-range, who's going to get his – you know, he's just – he's not. And Terry has a place in this league. I don't know if it's a starter for an elite team. That's a question that, you know, we he might be, he might not be. Um, you know, I think Terry just want I don't I don't know if it matters where Terry goes. I think Terry just wants to get his minutes. He wants to get his shine. I don't think I don't think that's selfish. I just think he wants his opportunity and to be comfortable in a role where every night he knows when he comes to the arena he's going to play thirty five minutes and he's going to start and he's going to play key stretches of the fourth quarter and that he's going to be an integral part of the team um, and a main cornerstone. And I think that, you know, like you said, when guys have that confidence, that's what sometimes gets them to the league, that utmost confidence, that cockiness, that I'm the best player on the floor every night I walk out there. But the question is, you know, how does that affect your teammates? And how does that, you know, translate to the team concept? And I don't think it did well at all. I think, you know, it was was just kind of unfortunate that that Terry is the one that – went rogue, and Terry said all the right things at the beginning of the season. I'm going to go back to being a backup. It's Kyrie Irving's team. I know that it – and we all knew, you know, it's okay to say, listen, uh, you know, I'm ready to start somewhere else. Like, I think my – you know, it, it's time for me, you know, eventually to, to start somewhere else. But this year, this team, I'm all in. And if guys had had that mentality, it might have worked. But guys wanted to have that mentality, but in reality, they really didn't. Yeah, it's the young guys, Terry, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, these guys that, you know, were ultimately, they, they wanted to eat. And as you said, and I've said it a zillion times before, I think that while that run to the conference finals and finishing within minutes of the NBA finals was probably a very good thing in the long run for their development and, and where they go in their careers, for the immediate future, for, you know, this past season, it was terrible. It was about the worst thing that could have happened to them. I didn't think that at the time, certainly, but it's what we came to learn because it elevated everybody's confidences within themselves and what they could accomplish within the league and, and on this team and led to that very widely reported divide between, it's not even young guys, old guys, it's less experienced guys and the vets. And it's why Kyrie countless times called out the younger guys or, or those less experienced guys and saying they need to get on this page and realize and yada, 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 all the things that we've already heard. But, you know, this was kind of wrapping up with Terry here. This, I thought, was sort of the most damning thing that he said during the interview because it's another great example of Rozier's confidence doing him in. Things was all good before we actually started. You know, I'm, I'm, I still had a positive mindset that, you know, we was going to make it work. But, you know, ever since that day that Kyrie, you know, announced in front of the fans that he was, that if, if we would like to have him back, he would come back. Things, I felt like, shifted, shifted left for me. I just seen the way people treated me with the attitudes, and I feel like I was just thrown all the way in the in the back seat, and mm. uh, you know I just had to adjust to that. Gary, as you said, Terry, from the end of last year to training camp to the beginning of this year, he said and seemingly knew all the right things when it came to his place. You know, Kyrie's a starting point guard, of course he is. He's all NBA. He's he's a champion. He's he's a premier talent. All of it. How did that? How did that moment of Kyrie getting up in the you know center court and saying, I want to come back if you'll have me. How did he let that creep into his head? Because he couldn't have possibly ever thought that he was plan A. Yeah, and my, he, might, he might have, or he might have thought that Kyrie was going to leave after this season anyway and before he made that announcement. 
And I, I don't know if uh, there was a situation where there were people in the organization or even fans that looked at him like, looked at him differently after that happened and said, you know, you're not our guy. Kyrie's our guy now. You're you're just a backup. You know, like maybe Terry felt some kind of way. Maybe someone said something to him and he internalized it. Um, I don't know how that – I don't know if that changed the team uh, concept. I thought it, was, it made everyone feel better because uh, the investment in Kyrie was going to have a serious return if he returned on, on the max contract. And so the risk was worth it of trading Isaiah and Jay Crowder to Cleveland and getting Kyrie. But I didn't see a change in terms of, like, you know, how everyone or the team treated Terry. And, well, Terry, this confirms that you're a literal – you're a backup, so we're going to treat you like a backup. I think Terry had his minutes. I think Terry had his opportunities. Um, no, he, and he, and he played well as a starter. But if you look at the teams that – he played against the games that Kyrie took off. There are a lot of times they're against really bad teams. That's true. And so, yeah, Terry should dominate the Cavaliers. He should dominate, um, you know, let's say the Hornets or some of these teams that are, you know, below 500. Yeah, that should be the case. But I just think that's the whole con- the, the whole argument this year. Oh, we went 12 and one without Kyrie. Yeah, look at the look at the schedule of those 13 games. But I think Terry, and you know, it's, 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 we see it in other sports. You know, the you know Antonio Browns or Le'Veon Bell. So the guys, you know, overvalue themselves. Yep. Sometimes it works out that they go to the team and they end up saying, "See, I told you. See, I told you." You know, James Harden was that way. James Harden had a terrible NBA Finals, and people were, and, you know, he, he, they traded him, and it was like. Good riddance, you know, the guy, his head wasn't in that finals in 2012. He was partying on South Beach, and all of a sudden he becomes a super-duper star now, you know. You can say what you want now about Harden, but he became a much better player than anyone expected, right? So it could work. Terry Floyd could work with another team where he literally just becomes a star and says, see, I told you, you should have held on to me. You should have treated me right, but you got to take that chance now because we have we really haven't seen it we haven't seen the guy who can finish at the rim we haven't seen the guy that can consistently knock down a three-pointer um not only when he's hot but that that you know dagger three-pointer coming off the fast break or the or the the shot where he he needs to hit we haven't seen that maybe that will happen when he when he's playing better in terms of he has more minutes more of uh, a role, more of a defined role, but it didn't happen in Boston. Do you think it can going forward? You know, as as all of this sort of time heals all wounds, and we know that he and Danny Ainge have, have had a very unique, special bond going back to when he was drafted, and even some of the things that, that raised eyebrows for me didn't seem to create an issue, like Terry calling him on a live draft show and asking Danny who he was going to draft when it was the Robert Williams pick last year, and you know, Danny's clearly not being in on that and, and spoiling the surprise. It seems like those two, and I don't know how the impact of the ESPN car wash affects things, but those two have had a uh, a very strong relationship. If Irving Lee leaves, and, and we'll get to more on him, but if he goes, as so many people seem to believe, 
Does Terry, in fact, as, as you sort of started this thing, does he want out of Boston or can he still mend this thing in return if he's given the keys and he's he's the starting point guard? No, I think he wants out. I mean, I, and I think the question you have to ask yourself is, do the Celtics just want to hand him the keys of Kyrie Lee's? You know, is he a starting point guard for a team that is elite? And that is something to me that, I don't. I can't really say yay or nay. I don't. I don't. I'm not sure if he is. I don't think he's. I would let him go personally. I just think it's time for Mulan. I think Terry is is mentally checked out, and maybe he mentally checked out during the playoffs. Um, and I just think it's time to cut bait. Say, you know, Terry, good luck in your next endeavor, and draft a point guard, sign a point guard. If Kyrie comes back, sign a quality backup point guard or give Brad Wanamaker more of an opportunity. He didn't play much uh, during the playoffs. He had his moments here and there, but he didn't really uh, get a chance to show himself. I think it's time to move on um, to try to make it. I'm not sure if Terry is that much of a pure talent to where he's like, hey, you, you got you got to get you got to give him another chance here. This guy can be a superstar. I, I think Terry had a great playoff series, a great, you know, seven, what was it, 12, you know, 15 games or thereabouts. You know, seven yeah. Games, yeah. Seven, five, 19 games. Right. Um, and that playoff run last year, mm-hmm. he had a great stretch. And the, the question is, is that enough to go off on and give him a get, start him and say, you are God. And, you know, because you can't change your mind. If you sign into a four-year deal, he is your guy. Um, I'm not sure the Celtics are ready to make that commitment. I'm trying to remember, but hadn't the Celtics about this time last year or, you know, sometime last offseason or whenever it was, and you could better clarify it, hadn't they offered him $12 million per over four years? Uh, I know the report at least was out there, but did that actually happen? Yeah, I, think, I mean, they were talk uh, about the extension. Obviously, it was right after the playoff run. There were talks, and I was told Terry asked for 18, like the 4-72 and 72 deal, uh, which obviously was not going to be – that didn't work. Right. Uh, for the Celtics. So, uh, if you're uh, – the Celtics, what will it take to bring him back? Do you want to invest that much in him? There's plenty of guys around this league, Adam, that are walking around on four-year, $72 million deals. Uh, your kids phase more is and – and guys that are just that, that are names, not household names, that are basically didn't live up to that contract. That's a that's a real risky contract to sign a guy like Rozier. So I I would tend to think that a they either accept he accepts his qualifying offer if best case scenario plays a year and just and knows he's he's out or two the Celtics. Cut him loose, or three, he gets a he gets a qualifying offer from uh, offer sheet from another club, and the Celtics decide not to match it. I, I think they've got to figure out what to do with him, and I think he's trying to make the decision for them. Well, so for anyone that doesn't know, and I know you've obviously been on top of this, and people should be reading Gary anyway, but four point three million dollars—that's the qualifying option if the Celtics do extend it to Terry. And 
You know, I, I just – and we won't spend time on this because we've already hashed it out. But I go back to the fact that, you know, he didn't have to do the ESPN thing. He hasn't needed to speak his mind the way he has because it's not as though NBA GMs and execs are unaware of his situation, how bad it was and playing behind Irving or even not how bad it was, which it was, but how different it was from the previous year, just an opportunity alone, never mind all the different – other factors, internal and external, that he had to deal with. He didn't need to go out and voice all those. And I do wonder if it's, you know, all this honesty, if you will, has cost him some of the money along the way. And he's coming off as petty and selfish and not marketing himself real well and potentially burning that bridge with Boston, all of these things. If there's a team out there, and and I think there will be, that does offer him an offer sheet. I mean, what's Terry's market right now? Especially, you know, you said last year he wanted 18 per. What's his realistic market right now coming off the really terrible year that he did have? That's the thing. I mean, I think any minimum deals 10 to 12, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Delavadola signed a four-year, $40 million deal a few years ago. But that was uh, when, the, you know, everything really spiked and there was all that extra TV money. Yeah, I know. I agree. But I think the market is, the, for some players, is lowered and for, for other players, uh, has risen. I think point guard is a very valuable position, and it all depends Adam, on what a team wants. To, if, if a team wants to has viewed Terry as their starter, then then yeah, like fifteen million is a, is a, is a, is a workable number. If, the, if if you've got a team that that said, let's say Charlotte says, you know what, we're going to move on from Kimba Walker. We're not going to offer him the supermax, and we're going to offer that. We're going to offer. 15 to Rozier and make him our point guard. You know, that's, that would be something four four years, 60 million, 50, you know, 18 million, I think is a little much coming off the year he had, but I think there's going to be guys. Yeah, it is a lot. And there's going to be guys that are overvalued. um, But in this market where the salary cap is well over a hundred million. Now there's going to be teams spending and there's going to be, Adam guy teams with money left to spend because not everyone is going to go. No, no, no one's looking at a Charlotte. No one's looking at some of these teams. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say like a Memphis, but like an, an Indiana or a, you know, you got to look at your small, smaller market teams. I don't think the Knicks, the Lakers, let's get those teams out because those teams are going to go after the big fish, but there's going to be teams who have money who are, overlooked by major free agents that are going to have money to offer Terry. Um, and so that's going to be something to look out for. Like a, a team that, let's say, loses a max guy to another team. Um, you know, it could, it could be, you know, it could be a, a various teams, but point guard's a position that too all, is tough, is, is not tough to fill, but a lot of teams have their point guards. You know, the Thunder at Westbrook. Mm. Even Sacramento has De'Aaron Fox. Uh, Phoenix is a team, obviously, to look out for. They, they have a, Phoenix and Atlanta have gaping holes at point guard, right? So, will the Suns, with James Jones, scrape up the money and make an offer to Rozier and go, hey, you get a chance to play with uh, Booker and Aiton, you know, the, the other guys out there? Or do they spend that six pick they have on a point guard? It, a lot could happen. But there's going to be a team interested in Terry, without question. 
what do you suppose the number is, if Boston even has one, that, that Danny Ainge has in mind as far as what he is willing to go to? What What is his limit for Terry Rozier before he does just say, if he doesn't already, that, hey, cut bait, we got to bring in somebody else, we got we got to figure out something else? Because the restricted free agency is tough. You know, you think back to Marcus Smart, and they love Marcus, and they should love Marcus, but... You know, Danny kind of did, did him a favor. The offers, we talked about it at the time, the, the offers weren't out there for Marcus Smart. Danny still gave him more than he had even previously offered him with the $52 million over four years. That's not going to happen in this situation with Terry Rozier. But they're also, you know, without Kyrie and losing that max slot and, and the other guys they have, they're capped out or more or less capped out, at least to the degree of bringing in a premier player. So, you know, it's that's all just a long-winded way of saying, you know, what's their limit with Terry Rozier in, in, in bringing him back? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think that if they felt like he was their starter, you know, and you try to offer him 4 and 60, if you feel like he's your guy, because he's, he's not a guy – Who's at an all-star appearance? It's not a, so. I don't know. I mean, you don't give him you don't give him twenty plus or anything like that. Um, but I do think you've got to if if you're ready to invest in Terry, you've got to invest in Terry. You know, he's twenty five. He'll be twenty five this year. Um, so he's entering his prime. If you feel like he's your guy, and Kyrie walks away, uh, then I think you've got to you've got to invest. You can't shortchange Terry. If you feel like he's your guy, if you feel like ignore this year, you go, you know what, Terry, we know with 35 minutes a game, you're going to be a front line, top 10, potentially top 10 point guard. Here it is. And that's way more money than he's making now. That's an investment. That's a starter. If you feel like he's your guy, I don't know if the Celtics feel that way. I think, I mean, could you find a Terry Rozier in this draft, potentially at the 14th pick? Could you find a Terry Rozier in free agency, another quality second-tier point guard looking for a big payday, or a guy, even if you have, if Kyrie comes back, a guy who can fill that backup role and knows exactly what to do, exactly what he needs, is not going to complain about it. You can pro- probably find that guy um, on the market. So the Kyrie thing is the piece to, that's going to connect everything at this point. I mean, uh, it's like that little thread. If hmm. you pull that little thread and the entire shirt, you know, pull the thread and let's say his entire shirt's just gone because Kyrie left. So that leaves a hole. What do you do for that? What about the salaries? So all of this relies on Kyrie's decision. So one benefit from Rozier doing all the talking that he has, at least, you know, for us in the media and and fans that eat it up, I guess, is that he's let us, like I said earlier, behind the curtain a little bit because he's confirmed most of the reports or just things that we assumed about this Celtics team along the way. Dysfunctional from the start. Terry said five games in, he knew it was going to be a more challenging year. Uh, Less experienced players, like we said, didn't like being behind Irving and Hayward after that deep playoff run. Everyone motivated by their own agendas, never bought into the team concept. Brad had really little to no control over the situation till it was kind of too late, and that's something I think you wrote about as well. Did you learn anything else from all this, or, or have you learned other things since the season ended? In terms of how the team got along or didn't get along? Well, it, it, that and just what was really at the core of, of why this season was, was such an, an underachievement and, and really an epic failure compared to preseason expectations. Well, I think one guys are unsure of their role. Like I got think I think guys, even though they said the right things and 
you know, we asked him at training camp. I mean, it was a common question, you know, hey, you know, with all this talent, someone's going to have to sacrifice. Everybody's not going to eat every night. Are you guys ready for that? Oh, yeah, we're all, oh, yeah, yeah, we've all talked about that. <laughs> all all in, as one, you know, one for all. Like, we, 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 now the question was asked a lot at training camp because you saw the amount of talent on that floor or on that team and the talent that was going to be on that floor every night. And you were like, okay, this might not work because this could be somebody who wants more and every night they're not going to get more. And every, all of them said the right thing. Oh, yeah, we all we talk. We, yeah, we're, we're not, that's not going to be a problem here. No, 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 no. But I think the one thing that have, that kind of changed everything was the, the fact that Hayward was not ready and how they incorporated Hayward and how that affected other guys. And then also the college relationship between Butler and, so at Butler between Hayward and Stevens, mm-hmm. and whether that you know was was Stevens the the, the favorite, to um, the leadership was interesting on this team. I mean, you know, Al Horford's a leader by example. He doesn't talk much. He's a family man. He's a, he's a guy who those guys view him as grandpa. I mean, because he's been in the league since 2007. Jason Tatum in 2007 was nine years old. So, <laughs> I mean, that's true. Yeah. And it's crazy. It's crazy. And, and Jalen, and Jalen 2007 was 11. So they view Al as, uh, 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 as elderly. Yeah, he's the OG. You know, you've been in the league 12, 12, 12 years, man, 12 years ago, I was in the fourth grade. So there's a disconnect there, a natural disconnect that happens. But Al's not a vocal leader. Al's a leader by example. Kyrie tried to lead in his own way. That didn't work. Marcus Morris tried to lead his own way. Then you had guys who had been around, like your Smarts and your Rosiers, that are young, but NBA veterans, young NBA veterans, the guys who were 24 with three or four years in the league already. And so the, the, the leadership never really, the, 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 never really took place. It never really was smooth because there was different guys in such different positions. And when you don't have the old heads, because what all these one and dones have done is squeezed out your NBA bets, squeezed out the 36 year old guys who might've lost a couple of steps and lost some skills, but still can play and still can have an impact on the leadership level. Those guys pretty much don't exist anymore. So you're having Younger players become leaders, and you're having guys who, and we see it in teams like Oklahoma City, like, you know, Westbrook. Is he a real great leader, or is he just a great player? Because now, but when you have this influx of one-and-dones, and you're squeezing out these old vets, you're having your superstars have to be leaders. And not all superstars are leaders. So that puts the pressure on a guy like Kyrie. That's what puts the pressure on a guy like Al Horford, who will lead by example. Hey, you can do what I do, and I'm a pro, but I ain't going to grab you by the neck and slam you against your locker and say you better show up on time. That's not me. I'll just shake my head, but I'm not, the discipline for me ain't coming. I'm just going to lead by example. And so I think, that, I think that there are guys who couldn't relate to Kyrie because, like, dude, you're a superstar. I don't – you know, I'm not where you need. I'm not. I don't have a movie. I don't have a shoe contract like that. What do you like? What What can you tell me that I can really relate to? 
And that, you know, and then also those guys are like, well, I want a chance to get that too. Why can I, what's that? Why, why, why are you special and I'm not? So it just, it just didn't work. And and it was just the weird thing. I mean, you said, you look at, you look at even the Bucks. you know, they got George Hill and, you know, they signed Paul Gasol to be there. You know, Gasol didn't play a minute, but he, he's a leader. He's a guy that can tell stories. He can guy. Yeah, 10 years ago when we are in the finals against Celtics, blah, 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 blah. Um, he's a guy that can lead by just the way his resume can do his leading form. And Al could be that guy, but Al's a leader by example. Mm-hmm. He didn't sign Al to be this huge vocal leader. And this team didn't really have one. I mean, I guess Marcus Morris would probably be the closest thing. Quick break to tell you today's show is brought to you by Quip. Brushing your teeth is one of life's most important daily activities. I know it, you know it, and yet most of us don't do it properly. Well, Quip is the premier electric toothbrush on the market. It's created by dentists and designers. Quip was designed to make brushing your teeth just more simple, affordable, and enjoyable. Quip answers all the problems that you have with ordinary electric toothbrushes. Quip uses sensitive, sonic vibrations, gentle enough for your gums. People are notorious for brushing too hard. I do it. Other electronic toothbrushes, they can just be too rough on your mouth, really you know, wear down the enamel, all that stuff. It's not good. Quip eliminates the clutter in your bathroom as well. You don't need some clunky charger taking up counter space. Quip's battery life, it can last up to three months on one single charge. And Quip makes brushing simpler with automatic delivery of new brush heads every three months for just $5. So what are you waiting for? Improve your dental hygiene with Quip today. It's backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics. Get your first refill pack for free when you buy your first toothbrush. That's getquip.com slash Celtics. Let's get back to the show. With Kyrie Irving, let's spend a little bit of time on on him here because, you know, we've we've done the Terry side of things. Owner Wick Grosbeck, one of the sports hub in Boston with Felger and Maz, had this back and forth on Irving's future. Really not going to talk about specific guys except in real generalities. Kyrie's given us two years of strong effort. He's going to decide what he's going to do down the road. He hasn't commented publicly, so I'm going to respect that. Have you spoke to him? I have spoken to him. So have you had talks with he and his people, and has there been a dialogue, or is it just sort of a, see you later, have a good offseason, don't call us, we'll call you? What What was the, have, have there been ongoing talks, I guess is my question. Sorry, not going to comment on that. Can we assume that the team wants Kyrie back? I'm just not going to comment about anybody on the roster in that. We've got 15 guys, and we're going to evaluate all of them, and I'm not going to comment on one person and then not comment on another because it's going to send a negative or positive signal. So, Gary, it's completely in character for Wick to deflect there. I don't take it as a negative. He didn't say, we want him back, as, as you know, some people like to. But do you believe that Boston does, as I do, by the way, I, I do believe Wick, Danny, in particular, those two do want Kyrie Irving back. Or is this still up in the air? Never mind Kyrie's side, but the Celtics side. Yeah, almost definitely want him back. Even Brad yeah, Stevens? Yeah, I think Brad can work with him. I don't, I don't think Brad despises Kyrie. I think that he's going to be a better coach. I think he feels that way and and devise a game plan, but you also need to get Kyrie some help. You need to get Kyrie some shooters. The team never really had shooters. You need to get you – need, you need, Gordon needs to be better. Um, you know, and I think you, if you're the Celtics, you say, okay, this didn't work out. However, we get uh, a legitimate backup to Kyrie, a guy who knows his role. We get – Jalen and Jason both taking that next step. We get a, a healthy Gordon who doesn't – remember, Gordon had that second 
knee surgery, sorry, leg surgery in August. So he got a really slow start. I think we kind of ignore that, overlook that, that, that second surgery he had, that he was out for like six weeks. Um, so none of that. Gordon's medically clear, medically should, you know, get in elite shape and should try to get a lot of his athleticism and agility back. And you say, let's run this, and then, you know, let's make some tweaks to the, you know, sign a quality shooter, get a quality backup point guard. Let's see what we have in Robert Williams. Let's see what we can get for that. Let's see if we can make a trade. If we go after, and I'm not even including if they go after AD, which is, you know, inevitable. uh, A whole different topic. Okay. Yeah, they want Kyrie back. One, you know, he's, he's a 27-year-old guy entering his prime. Secondly, your max contract deals with Al is coming up. I mean, he has an opt-out. Um, that could be he could opt-out and sign for a lesser money. And Gordon has only two more years left. So it's not like you're going to be saddled with all these max deals for the next five years. Is it two like left? You can get out from, Sorry to you cut you off. Is, is, is it two left for Gordon or is it one in the player option? It's one in a player option. But we just assume he'll well, opt in, you think? Well, I would assume he'd opt into the $30 million in two years from now, yes. Well, especially if he I looks anything that, next year like he did last year. Yeah, I, I, I think that the Celtics are fully prepared for two more years of Gordon. Okay. Um, unless they can move his contract as an expiring deal after this year. Who knows? Right. Um, you know, also, I mean, there might be a push for them to move him Sometime this summer, next summer, for another expire or for another deal, a max deal, max deal player, um, something like that. If they feel like it's time for a change, or you know, it didn't work out, whatever. You know, I think they're going to give Gordon all an opportunity to get get himself together, uh, especially with this summer, very important summer for Gordon. So I think they yeah they want Kyrie back. I think the organization would reboot, they would tweak some things uh, and figure out, and, and I think Bat, Brad will go into the lab and figure out uh, what, you know, it will take to, to make it work with him. And I think it, it's also to hire a quality assistant coach, a veteran NBA player, guys who can help work with Kyrie and talk with Kyrie and be, you know, like you can't, I think I think Brad's coaching staff are great guys, good hardworking guys. He is on way too much of the Butler stuff with his coaching staff. I think it's uh, and it burned him this year. It burned him really bad. Maybe a Kendrick Perkins type. Yeah, something like that. You know, James Posey, a guy who is has been around, has stories to tell, who knows the life of an NBA player. So you can't look. Kyrie's not going to look at Micah Shrewsbury and say, I believe, you know, I got you, Micah. You know what I'm coming from. Um, neither Mike Taylor, neither Jamie Young, neither uh, Jay Laranaga. Um, Jerome think- Allen had a, little, had, a, had a cup of coffee in the NBA and relates to them more, but I think that Brad's one of his flaws to me was his way loyalty to his Butler guys, promoting Mike. T- when Walter left, you promoted the D League coach and added. So if you don't need another Mike Taylor, you know, or or uh, 
uh, uh, you know, you, you got enough guys who just do their work and keep their head down and who are good guys, but you need, you need a guy on the staff that you don't know or that you don't, that you haven't known for 15 years, you know, mm. um, you need to, and I think Brad's, you know, interviewing guys, he interviewed, uh, according to the New York Post, J.D. Bickerstaff, uh, for that, for the, for a vacant position. And I think he realized I got to get a younger, maybe a four player, a guy who's been a coach. I need someone, uh, I need someone to, to be in my ear. And I don't think this coaching staff had that. I don't think anyone, and I think the coaching staff knew what was going on with this team in terms of the chemistry issues, but didn't know what to do about it. And then when Brad got word, as we talked about, it was way too late. So I think Brad's got to do a reboot just as well as Gordon's got to do a reboot and Kyrie's got to figure himself out. I think everyone's got to go back and do some soul searching. It's just it's amazing to me, and and I I do we won't bother talking about this, but I do wonder. You know, you mentioned Walter leaving, and and it's not as though he's a Hall of Famer or anything, but as a far more tenured, uh, you know, member at least of the league, not necessarily as a coach, than all those other guys that you mentioned that are on staff. I I wonder him leaving how much that hurt this team this year. So that is something. But the emotion of Boston fans, and and I think a lot of it can be good, a lot of it can be bad. It's it's really hasty. To me, how many C's fans are going on and on and on about how much they want Kyrie Irving to leave? Because there's a lack of understanding about the things that you brought up, the salary cap ramifications, his talent level, or just an outright, we don't care. You know, you can't win with this guy, or at least we don't believe we can win with him as as the number one guy here, so get rid of him. And I I don't think people are are really aware of what that means. If, If you're just ushering Kyrie the door. Not, again, like the Celtics are going to do that. I believe they feel as you said they feel. But the fact that there's such a such a turn in opinion on him, it's it's not it's not wise. I agree. I think we, we have short memories as fans. Uh, you know, I think people think, and I also think people think, well, you know, let Kyrie go and sign Timber Walker. Like, that's it doesn't not, work that way. Yeah, the way, not the way it works unless you unless you really move some salaries and make some trades to clear space to sign a Kimball Walker. I think that's the thing. Like the question is, who do you replace Kyrie with? Kyrie is still a top five point guard in this league. You know, um, I'm sure some Oklahoma City fans have an issue with Russell Westbrook, right? Sure. Do you trade Russell? Do you let Russell go? Absolutely not. You go. They're going to run him out there opening night next year. And hope things will change. You don't when you got guys like that who are going to go down as Hall of Famers. I mean, Kyrie is going to go to the Hall of Fame um, if he continues his career. I mean, he is going to be a Hall of Fame player. You do not let those guys go. I think that's ridiculous. And I know fans are mad and fans are upset um, at guys. I'm sure there were there there were seasons where there were fans upset at uh, Nomar, upset at Ortiz, hmm. upset at um, you know, other Sox guys, you know, Pedroia, who didn't have a good season, who came up, who 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 didn't have a good playoff. That, that's natural. There's there's plenty of guys who who didn't step up in the, in the postseason. Patriots, Bruins, Red Sox. That that off season, the, the Boston fan base like get this guy out of here. And then once that didn't happen, and they said, okay, he's back. And then all of a sudden, the next offseason or playoffs, 
he came through, right? I'm sure there's plenty of stories of guys over the history of Boston sports who have had a bad postseason, was able to come back and make up for it. So you bring Kyrie back. I don't think there's any question. Do they want him back? He's a cancer. I just think this walk year didn't fit well with him. I think him in a secure contract, knowing where he's going to be, I think will make him happier. I don't think he enjoys this process. Everybody talking about his future. Exactly. I don't think he enjoyed that at all. As you know, Adam, walk years have different effects on different guys. Some Mm -hmm. guys don't care. Some guys have career years in their walk years. And because they know their money's on the line, other guys, it bothers the hell out of them because they see social media. And I get it. When Kyrie looks and sees some dude from the NBA, and I don't know how that happened, took the video of him and Durant in the tunnel. Right. Or, you know, in the back, at all before the in uniform where they're about to, you know, basically be introduced to the All Star game. And somebody took that video. I don't know. Media is not allowed down there. Like, we're not allowed that far. So that was someone either some fan or an NBA person or somehow someone was able to take that video because it was not a media member. Um, so, because it was obviously off a cell phone, it wasn't like a, a regular TV camera. Right. So when Kyrie sees that, and then all the speculation, all the t- they're talking about playing together in New York. Like, like I just don't think, like, I'm, I think he's saying to himself, you really think that I would take Kevin right before the All-Star game in the tunnel when everyone's walking by, you know, the mascots, the, you know, uh, J. Cole, all these performers, all that, all walking past, and we're going to talk about free agency right here. It's, uh, it doesn't make sense. Right here. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, right? But then that was a speculation. I think that bothered the hell out of Kyrie. I think he is an old soul in his whole social media thing, even though he's got a movie and he's got an Instagram account and all that. I think that bothers him that this is the, the new NBA, that this is the new – this is how things go. And this is that anything you do, someone's going to have on tape. I think that bothers the hell out of him. Unfortunately for him – it, it burned him, and I think that this was a miserable season for him because of his impending free agency, and then the team, and then the chemistry issues and all that stuff. All that in mind, I have to imagine that Kyrie hates life right now because, you know, outside of the vacation that I guess he's enjoying, because you've got, you know, Brian Windhorst attaching him to the Lakers. You've got uh, Stephen A. Smith saying there's a 95% chance that he is going to the Knicks with Kevin Durant unless Durant changes his mind. So he's the wild card, not Kyrie. So all this stuff is out there, and you listen to it, and and look, Wick said this, Danny has said this, a million people have said this, we know it as well. Most of the stuff that's out there in terms of reports, rumors, speculation, it's BS or it's used to serve agendas, whether it's from some in the media, whether it's from agents, whether it's from some GMs and owners behind the scenes. There's just there's a lot of crap that is out there you as as a a journalist have to know when to decipher what is right from what is wrong what is credible what is not what is worth putting out there for people to to chew on as as so many of us like to you know like to eat all of that up and and it feeds content for shows like this but i don't believe and i'm curious as to your opinion i really i strongly believe that kyrie irving he himself 
does not in this moment know where he intends to sign in July. We're still talking about, you know, six weeks or whatever it is away from him making that decision, a concrete pen to paper decision. And this is someone who's says we've we've observed this for a couple of years. He says how he feels in the moment. And whatever that is, is true in the moment. And it may very well be different a day or two later. So I don't think he know, he may be leaning one way or another, but I don't think he knows right now whether Boston's out, whether the Knicks are in, whether the Lakers are in consideration, any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Kyrie is if anyone can tell me what's going on inside his head, please let me know and let everybody <laughs> else know. Yeah, he's a prisoner of the does. moment. I don't think anyone knows what makes him happy. I don't think anyone knows whether it's going to be because people are speculating, well, there's no way he'll walk away from the extra $50 million that the Celtics will pay him. And some people are like, yes, he, yes, he will. You know, he, money's not important to him. I don't know how money, important money is to Kyrie. I don't think we know that yeah. because he doesn't showcase. He doesn't showcase his lifestyle. You know, we don't. You know, he doesn't showcase. You know, he has a daughter. We don't. You know, we don't see her a lot. We don't. And that's his right. You know, if I were a professional athlete, I would not showcase my family all on social media. I would not want everybody to know what the hell my kids all look like and all. You know, and that all their life events. Kyrie's a private dude, and I don't think we all know how important Kyrie, you know, money is to Kyrie. Is he like, well, that's a lot of money, and I don't want to play all that long? Because I think we're talking about a guy who has basically said he doesn't want to play till he's thirty-seven, and he's twenty-seven. So is he saying to himself, this fifty million? Well, it could set me up. You know, it could be a very nice little, pa- you know, nice little padding, financial padding. I can definitely, you know, if I want to retire after this contract. Because he might be thinking something like that. He might be thinking, hey, 31, 32, I want out. I am not playing until I'm 40. I'm not, you're not going to have to drag me off the court. I'm going to walk hmm. off the court before, you know, arthritis gets my knees. You, you, I don't know if you've seen him close up. He's got graying hair. I mean, He's got gray strands of gray in his hair. Mm-hmm. Kyrie's a a forty year old, twenty six year old at this point, <laughs> you know. And I'm not saying that in yeah. a bad way. I just think he's got a, an old soul who's had a lot on his plate since he was nineteen years old in terms of pressure. And you've got to be this guy and playing the years of playing with Le- LeBron. And I, and I that'll age you. Think, yeah. And and I just think that Kyrie knows, like physically. I'm not up playing till I'm 36 because he's already he's not he's a 70 game per year player and he realizes his limitations and I don't think he wants to be one of these guys like I said who is coming off the bench for a title team when he's 36 as a it hits a bit like a Gary Payton did or some of these guys who who you know retired with a chip. Uh, but ended up playing a very reduced role at the end of their careers. I think once Kyrie loses those that that's those quick, that quickness, that first step, he's going to be like, you know what, my days the, the clock is ticking on my career. So who knows if he's thinking about that and thinking that extra fifty because this could be my last great contract because there's no guarantee, Adam, he's going to sign another max deal when he's thirty-one. Nope. Who knows, right? I mean, you, you, you'd like to think at 31 he'd sign one of those Chris Paul deals, but he might be looking at Chris Paul and going, yeah, Chris making a lot of money, and Chris is going to be is going to finish his career on his back. 
because he's not constantly what he breaking was. down. Yeah. Or Kyrie could say, "Damn, I can hang around that long, made 160 million. Hmm. I'm hanging around." Like we don't know. I tend to think Kyrie doesn't want to play that long. So to sit there and say, "Oh no, what's important to Kyrie is going back to New York important to him." I don't know. I don't know what what is it about New York. His dad goes to every game in Boston. I see his dad a lot. Like, is that is is living in in near his home in, in child home in Jersey? Is that and playing in the Garden? Is that what is going to make him happy when he's on the back pages? When people are when he ever he goes to dinner, he's going to be on page six. Mm-hmm. Whatever he he has a bad game, it's going to be in the back page of the airport. Like, is that what's going to make you happy? to play for a New York team that now is not going to have Zion, that if it's you and Durant, that's going to win. Even if they add him and Durant, it's going to win 50 games, would be the fourth seed in the East because Milwaukee's still around. Philadelphia's still going to be around. Toronto's still going to be around if they bring Kawhi back. We'll see what happens there. And then there's other teams in the, in the East that are going to get better. So the Knicks, even with Durant and Kyrie, are not going to be favored to win the East. Because they got to put three other guys in the right. court, so you got a lot going on here. So I couldn't fathom the guess what he's going to do. Like you said, Adam, I, I don't think he's made a decision. I think he's got to calm down, go to the Cayman Islands or wherever the heck he's going to go, take a deep breath, and figure out what's best for me, what makes me happy. And I don't mean, and I don't know if he knows. To your point, I mean, people keep asking me too, and I'm sure they're asking you, like, what what is it that motivates Kyrie? Because I keep saying, and and I had Perk on last week, and he agreed with this, and I said this at the time that the Celtics acquired him. I don't think Kyrie is, he's got his ring. I don't think he's motivated by winning. He left us, he demanded out of a situation where he'd been to the NBA Finals four straight years and he was playing with the greatest player on the planet. It's not about winning. It's not necessarily about him having his own team if he runs away from this one and a team that could be very good in the future to go to a team that is, you know, comparable if it has Durant and less than if it doesn't. It's not probably the money if he leaves money on the table here. And and even the $50 million thing is misleading because it's an extra year, you know, of that contract. So if he looked at it as final deal, fine. You could say it's an extra year, an extra however many million. But if there's another contract coming – after this one, it's a four-year deal with someone else. Then it's really not fifty million. It's maybe ten million, twenty million. It's it's not even close to the same thing. If he's going to, like you said, with Chris Paul, keep going. Is it playing at home? Is it with the Nike commercial having number eleven in in the TD Garden rafters? We do not have a clue. But one thing that I I do wonder about, and and I I heard someone bring this up, and and it's with the timeline of things. It's a very interesting consideration. If Kyrie you know, continues to inch and lean and he thinks he's going to to go. Now, maybe he's he'll have this decision made before July 1st or maybe he'll hold court like Durant and have all these meetings. I have no idea how it plays out. He probably ends up having meetings. But if he's actually made up his mind, do you think he will have the, you know, the decency? He will show Danny Ainge the respect to let him know before the draft so that they can have a better mind about how they want to strategize that night, especially with with that big Anthony Davis domino at play. That's a good question. Hard to say. Uh, remember, Kyrie has the same agent as Jason Tatum, uh, so there's going to be continue to be a relationship with, uh, let's say, Trey Tatum or KD. AD, who knows? But there should be continue to be a relationship between Ainge and 
Kyrie's agent. So I think there's definitely going to be a situation where there's some conversations there. Who knows Kyrie says on, you know, June 15th, hey, Danny, listen, I'm not coming back. I'm just going to let you know that. I don't know where I'm going, but it's not going to be back to Boston. Um, who knows if that's something, a conversation that happens. Uh, it would seem fair, right, uh, to do that if that's the decision that he's come to. Or does he say, I'm literally going to hear all these Kings pitches. I'm going to be courted. I'm going to meet with you guys. We're going to go someplace, uh, you know, one of these fancy restaurants, private restaurants in Boston where no one will bother us. And, you know, uh, you can give me your spiel of how things are going to change, but I'm going to go meet with the Knicks and the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets. Don't forget about Brooklyn, Adam. Yep. Um, and they're playing the free agency. Don't forget about the Nets. Uh, I'm going to go visit four or five teams, and I'm going to make my decision on July 5th uh, or the 10th. And I'm sorry how that affects your organization, um, but that's what I'm going to do. So who knows? I think he's got a lot to think about, uh, a lot on his mind. Um, and I couldn't tell you whether he was coming back. And, 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 the thing, and the thing about that is, is that, you know, but that's his right and that's his power. And I, I don't think that he's given any of us for people always, oh, he's going to the next, like, I, really, you can honestly say you're going to defend him. Sure, he's going to the New York Knicks with that disaster of an organization, a franchise. Mm-hmm. And he won't be part of that. And Adam, I think it's kind of overstated. Like, I don't think, I don't think Kyrie asked out of Cleveland because he didn't winning wasn't important. I think he didn't want to be a hostage to what LeBron was going to do. Sure. And remember, LeBron was a free agent after last year. And I don't think Kyrie wanted to spend this year and, and say, um, I don't think he wanted to spend this last season with Cleveland and be be set, set there and say, well, please, LeBron, come back so we can keep winning. If not, we're gonna we're gonna suck, and I'm gonna be <laughs> left here, the only guy in the boat. Yep. And I think he, I think he was kind of tired of being a hostage to these one year plus an option contracts LeBron was doing to come back and finally said, get me. And then he found out too, that they were talking about trading into Phoenix. And I think when he found that out, he was done. Yeah. So I think it's overstated that he, well, he didn't care about when he left Cleveland LeBron. Well, I think any of us would be annoyed when someone's, when the fate of all, of all my, my fate it relies on whether someone you know, what What does LeBron want to do? And what does he want to do? And that was the whole talk last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, does he want to go to Sixers? Does he want to go to Lakers? You know, is he going to stay in Cleveland? What's going to happen? Um, and I think Kyrie wanted no part of that discussion because he knew that he would be left on that boat. We could spend uh, a long time on Anthony Davis. We won't. I've kept you way too long. But I, I do want to at least touch on it, especially after the lottery. The Celtics... You know, it would have been great if they landed two through four. They didn't. They 95% chance, uh, same as Kyrie's odds of going to New York, apparently, uh, of getting that Kings pick at 14. That's what happened. They also have 20 from the Clippers. They have 22. That's their own. They have 51 in the second round as well. So they don't have that top 
top asset. Zion's going to go inevitably uh, not back to Duke, contrary to reports that are out there. He's going to go to New Orleans. They still have Anthony Davis right now. You've got, you know, the the Knicks in play with a top four pick. Same for the Lakers. Uh, there have been the reports that that the Pelicans don't want to do any business with with the Lakers. They feel like everything with with Davis last year and those rumors and speculation totally derailed the season, quite frankly, for both teams. So take that, you know, as you will. I don't know. I mean, the Lakers can offer a compelling package for Davis. So can the Knicks. As we know, so can the Celtics and and maybe some other team as well. Which team do you believe can offer the best package? That's sort of part one of the question. But also, do you believe Boston will go all in? Not getting a commitment from AD, because I I just don't believe there will be one long-term. So all in for a potential one-year rental. I don't believe it. I I, I don't. I don't think Danny is prepared, even if Kyrie comes back, to totally gut the roster on on a a wing and a prayer. This is the time you take the gamble and and hope that AD loves it and sticks around uh, versus continuing to build with guys like Tatum and Brown and Smart and Horford, Hayward, what those picks, whatever combination it is. What, who do you believe has the best offer, and will the Celtics go balls to the wall to try and get them here? I don't think that they will just offer their entire roster. No, I don't. I, I think coming off this season, which was a, as we would all agree, an abject failure, mm-hmm. right? Because I think we all assumed, as observers of this team, that this year would go way better, that they would be in the finals or at least the Eastern Conference finals. And, you know, you would have major momentum headed toward next year, right? Uh, Because they were, they were, you know, lost the Warriors in the finals or they, they reached game seven of the Eastern Conference finals again. And they're, you know, maybe, Hey, you know, it's time to make a little for a little shakeup, a little change, but AD is available. But now I think the stakes are higher and you're affecting the long-term health of your franchise if you turn around and do this whole major blockbuster deal for one year of AD. And remember, too, in New Orleans, the new general manager, David Griffin, used to work with Danny. They know him in Phoenix. They know each other well. Uh, David Griffin ain't no dumb dude. Mm -mm. He ain't ain't Bill Dimps, right, Um, (laughs) the previous GM. Griffin's a smart guy, right? Griffin is going to work this. Um. And he is going to get every drop of what he can if he has to trade Anthony Davis. So remember, he is, and he's spent a year away from the game. I mean, he was, you know, working for NBA TV. So he's seen all these guys. He is not a guy who's going to be played by Danny. That's not going to happen. So that changes the dynamic of any deal. And and also, I think, yeah, you know, for, I don't know if Davis commits, but I don't think you throw in the towel, throwing everything for one year. Also, I think another possibility is this: even if, even if we lose Kyrie, okay, we can find a point guard in the market, and we can rebuild with us. We have three of the first twenty-one picks. Yep, um, the twenty-two picks. If this was the Patriots, the the entire fan base, you know, possibly <laughs> celebrating three of the first twenty-two picks. I mean, I know this draft is kind of—it's a weird draft. I get it, but if I'm Danny, I'm like, listen, maybe we just need to add some more youth. Maybe take a chance. Maybe you know, like, maybe we'll hit because you know 
They could have had Mitchell Robinson last year instead of Robert Williams. Mitchell Robinson is going to be a piece for the Knicks. Yep. Like, there are guys out there, especially at 14 and maybe at 20 and 22, that could help this team. I don't know about this year, but, you know, you could. I'm not saying you can find Giannis, but there's a reason. Giannis did go 15, right? Mm-hmm. Kawhi did go 15. So, I, I think for the Celtics to give up on this draft and go, ah, man, this 14, that's – you know – they they'll do enough scouting. No, there's a guy at 14 that we're not going to tell nobody his name. We're not going to let anybody know we like this kid, but we think he can, he can do X, Y, and Z. And there's plenty of guys, Adam, in this draft, and maybe we'll have a draft podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks. Sure, this you can you can get a you can get the same player at five as almost 15 in this draft. After four, any anything goes. There's a lot of talent. But a lot of guys who are going to go yay or nay. I mean, you could get some good rotational pieces. Absolutely. Yeah. When you get a chance, yeah, look at the 12 draft, I think, of the third, sorry, the draft of Old Depot and how many bad guys, yeah. the, the Giannis draft, yep. and how many terrible players, the Michael Carter Williams and all these, the Cody Zellers that went four, right? And then Giannis went 15. And so this draft is like that. Or don't get fooled by the number. The Celtics is going to be up to the Celtics. They're going to, there's going to be a talented dude. There's going to be an all-star that's taken after at 14 or later. There's going to yep. be an all-star. I guarantee you that. Who is? I don't know. Is it, is it you know, Nasir Little? Is it a guy who had a shaky freshman year in college, but his game is better suited to the pro game? Remember, Jalen Brown shot 30% from three and couldn't avoid it. He was an offensive foul machine at Cal. I'm a Cal guy. I watched him on the whole <laughs> freshman year, right? Yep. And everyone said his game was going to adjust better than the league in the NBA, and it did. Because when – I mean, I don't know if you're one of the people booing when they drafted Jalen because they didn't know – No, I like no Jalen. No one watches Pac-12 basketball in yep. the Northeast besides me, but – I, I get it. People looked at his numbers and said, who the hell is he? Just an athlete. The third pick. So, guys, can, there's going to be some talent in this draft. I truly believe that they can get some value in this draft. They got Terry at 16 a couple years ago. They can't get a guy like Gershon. I don't know what the hell is going to happen with him, but there's some there, there's some things going on that they can that they can do. And maybe Danny just decides, you know what, I'm going to reboot with this, these draft picks, add some talent, sign a free agent, even if Kyrie leaves, and I'm not going to do the AD thing because the, the, I'm not giving up Tatum and Brown because I think that's exactly what Griffin's going to ask for. Right, and it would be a mistake. In my mind, it would be a mistake. I know there are a lot of people out there that would that would drive them both to the airport. I just think it's I think that's insane. You know, quite frankly, there's a debate now as to which one you'd you'd rather not give up. You know, like I am with the majority, I think, and wouldn't want to give up Jason Tatum between the two. Talking to Perk last week, he wouldn't want to give up Jalen Brown, and I know there are people that believe that. I think what it comes down to, and not that you're lacking for content, but here I'll. I'll I'll give you a couple of things that you could write about and, and give the people to think about as well. To me, there, are, you know, Gary, there, there are two, two really premier questions. The, the two primary questions, you know, Danny Ainge is kind of facing right now. It's one: was that run without Kyrie and without Gordon two years ago a fluke? You know, was it lightning in a bottle or was there really something there? Because if there was really something there, maybe they're perfectly happy not having Kyrie back. 
Or the other question is, even if Irving comes back, as it comes to AD and whether or not to to go all in for that guy or even go mostly in for that guy and still beat other offers and, and bring him in and give up good, young, cost-controllable talent over the next however many years for that one-year rental, after what they just experienced with Irving, and again, even if he's back, do you really want to be held hostage by a guy who's even better than Irving, a top five player in the NBA when he's right, in Anthony Davis, do you want to be held hostage by that situation for another year and kind of go through what you just went through? You know, to me, those are the two big things that that Ainge is facing now that he's healthy and back to work. Yeah, I I think that the one-year thing with Davis is a huge deal. Um, I think he'd be open to playing here. And, like, I don't think think anyone's going to say, you know, uh, hey, I'll just commit there unless they, unless you're moving to your hometown or a city you really, really like. I don't think Davis, like a lot of professional athletes who come here, know enough about Boston until you get here. And then you end up loving it. But he's got to go through that stage. So if I'm Davis, I'm not going to commit to the Celtics. And now if Kyrie's there and, I, and I'm really close to Kyrie and I don't know their friendship, I mean, I'm sure they're friends. All these guys are friends. They've known each other since they were 14 or 13 years old in AAU, AAU circuits, et cetera. But who knows? To assume that all these guys are just buds is kind of inaccurate. And two, I don't know if Kyrie's friendship is enough for AD to go, I'll commit long-term if, if Kyrie is there. Like, really? Like, um, that's, that, that's, that, that's a deal-breaker? So, I think it's a, a risk for one year of AD um, unless Kyrie was coming back and you feel like you can win a championship next year. Now, if, it's, if you feel like you win a championship, and Adam, we're seeing the not I, don't, I wouldn't say the final days of the Warriors uh, dynasty, but we see the end. The yeah. end is, it's, it's here, right? Okay, whether what happens in the summer with Durant, their bench is getting old, like. They're going to probably win it this year. This It's going to be great, but you can see the end. Okay, not like three, four years ago. It was like, oh, boy, they're going to, this, this, is, this, is, this is the 98 Yankees. Like, this yeah. is, they're, going to, they're just going to keep winning. Um, so you can, see, you can see a championship possibility for next year. But now coming off this year, is that the case that if you put – 80 on this team with Kyrie, is that a title? Who knows? And I think Danny's got to figure that one out because I think that's the thing that is, is, is most difficult is this year definitely tainted their uh, thoughts about the future because if you're, as I said earlier, if you're coming off an Eastern Conference Finals appearance, an NBA Finals appearance, you're, AD, we're, we're, we're winning it. But now, even with AD, you're saying to yourself, well, are we capable? Who, who, who's left? Who's left on this team when AD comes here? Who yep. do we have to give up? What's Griffin going to ask for? All of those things. So I think it's a lot to a lot to unpack for this organization. Yeah, the potential of giving up a, a Horford after he's in a new deal or a Hayward and maybe he's ready to be an all-star. Who knows what the potential is of Tatum and Brown down the line. Smart, who to me is is almost the, I know people think I'm crazy, but in some ways he's almost the most untouchable asset that Danny has from the standpoint of just being the, the heart and soul glue guy, you know, really 
embodiment of all that is a Celtic with this team. Whatever, we could do plenty on him. But Gary, I've, I've kept you way too long. Maybe we will connect a little bit uh, closer to the draft and, and dissect some of that stuff as well because I think you're absolutely dead on with everything you said about it. It's it's top-heavy, and after that, it's a total crapshoot. And Danny's obviously in a position where if he keeps the picks, he's got to get it right. But there's there's going to be a lot to unpack with this team over the course of especially the next two months and then beyond, and and who knows? I mean, you would think that August is a dead time in the NBA, but that's when the Irving trade went down. So with Danny, you never count anything out. But, Gary, I really appreciate you coming on. This was a lot of fun for me. Hopefully it uh, didn't keep you too, too long, and we'll do it again soon. Hey, yeah, but thanks a lot. Great stuff from Gary, and uh, I know I kept it forever. The show is going forever, but there's just there's so much with this team that we have to talk about. I feel we could have gone for twice as long and still – feel like there's more to to do i mean it's why these four-hour talk shows have have so much content that that they can fill their 20 hours a week five days a week right so it's it's just it's incredible this team is has left us with so much content a lot of it negative right now but it's going to turn it's going to turn i'm not saying that in the sense of everything's going to go all rosy just in the sense that we're going to have more positive, more fun things, hopefully, to talk about a little bit down the line. But I, I will. I'm going to look. I'm going to leave you on a sour note. I'm going to leave you on a sour note. I want one thing I didn't play earlier. I want you to hear what Wick Grosbeck said on uh, the Sports Up in Boston just ab- about this team because I, I think it really summarizes how we all felt watching this group. It was one of the hardest teams to love from my standpoint. It was I'll just rather answer for myself. Um, I wasn't coaching him, but I was watching him and. It was frustrating. It was a tough year for everybody concerned. I think the fans all feel that, and we're, you know, we're going to just try to make it better. But we all feel that, and we, uh, man, you know, the highs and lows, and it, it just has been, um, it's been frustrating. Wick pretty much just summed up this entire show in whatever, 25, 30 seconds. <laughs> just, man. All right, so we're going to do a lot. We're going to do a lot. Every single Sunday, stay with us here on Celtics Beat. This show brought to you by Quip. Go to getquip.com slash Celtics. Get your first refill pack for free when you buy your first electric toothbrush. Thank you again to Gary. Thanks so much to Gary. Again, I, I kept him on so long. Thanks to Evan Valenti for listening through this multiple times as uh, all the magic that he does after each show. And thanks to Nick, Larry, John, everybody at CLNS Media. And as I always say, thanks mostly to you. Subscribe to Celtics Beat on iTunes. Follow me on Twitter, at Adam M. Kaufman. I'm always there to engage. we got a lot to talk about, folks, over the next while. It's going to be busy. I, w- I was so hoping and rooting this time last year for this, this one to be a nice, boring, easy offseason short of any of the stuff surrounding Anthony Davis. And it looked like it was trending that way when Kyrie Irving proclaimed, I'm coming back if you'll have me. Here we are. Kyrie watches on. Gino, get us out of here. Hello, I'm Dan Lothian, host of the Behind the Media podcast on the CLNS Media Network. Along with Jimmy Young, we dive into the biggest media headlines each week with honest, informed, and sometimes irreverent perspectives. It's not all serious. We deliver information and entertainment. As we like to say on Behind the Media, we find the interesting in media so you don't have to go searching for it. Listen to our podcast and get prepped for the next trip to the water cooler. Subscribe to Behind the Media wherever you get your podcast. Or find us on www.clnsmedia.com.